Hey everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of the new podcast, Different Strokes to Move the World, a Different Strokes podcast. Well, today I'm going to be reviewing, covering the first episode, the pilot episode, season one, episode one, entitled Moving In, which aired on November 3rd, 1978. In this episode, Philip Drummond is a wealthy Manhattan industrialist who takes in Arnold and Willis Jackson, the two sons of his late housekeeper, Drummond is white and the boys are black. Arnold, age 8, is excited about the opportunity of a privileged life, but Willis, age 13, feels that Mr. Drummond is trying to buy their love with expensive gifts. This episode's got a 7.6 out of 10 rating based on 87 ratings. It was directed by Herbert Kenwith, writers Ben Starr, Bernie Kukoff, and Jeff Harris the creator, along with Bernie Kukoff, the creator. All right, let's see. Do we have any trivia? There's no trivia for this episode. Let's see. We got some connections. The Brady Bunch, the show is mentioned by name. Let's see. Retrospective different strokes. Arnold and Willis's moving in is... Oh, is that the... I think that was like the... Kind of like a Christmas episode where it was mainly all flashbacks, even though it was like 10 episodes in and they're already doing a flashback episode. I'm like, okay. All right, let's get into a review here. Gives it a 7 out of 10. Moving in marked not only the beginning of different strokes, but also of the late Charlotte Ray's portrayal of Mrs. Garrett. This review was published on August 9th, 2018. In memory of Charlotte Ray, I managed to find this, her first appearance as Mrs. Garrett, a role she played on Different Strokes. During the first and part of second seasons before the starring as her on Different Strokes, or on Facts of Life, when this episode begins, she only been employed by billionaire Philip Drummond, played by Conrad Bain, for one day as she's replacing the late mother of two boys who are about to live at Drummond Mansion to live it. Okay. The bell rings in walk little Arnold Jackson, played by Gary Coleman, and his older teen brother Willis, play, played by Todd Bridges. Philip's teen daughter Kimberly, played by the late Dana Plato. Um, also, Arnold Jackson, played by the late Gary. Guys, most of the cast has sadly passed on. Um, also comes in from school, Mr. Drummond gives the boys a warm welcome, but Willis is set on not staying as he doesn't think he belongs there, though Arnold begs to differ. This was quite funny and touching, though the end seems a little rushed. Still, Coleman's lines are still very funny, and I love Miss Ray's funny asides and her occasional good advice as when she tells Bane's character what her family did to have fun. Oh, and I also loved seeing her do her old-fashioned dancing before Arnold then switches the radio to disco song, the intro to The Tramp's Disco Inferno, and proceeds to shake him down as Mrs. Garrett follows along. So now only Todd Bridges survives of the show's original cast. Farewell, Mrs. Garrett. May you live forever in TV River in Heaven on DS and the Facts of Life. Aww. That is true. Really, the only ones of the original cast that are left, Todd Bridges, who played Willis. Uh, and let's see, who is the other? Um, 
from season... Was it... I think it was season... When did Sam come on? I think it was... I thought it was season six. Or maybe it was the end of season six. Was it the end? Um, Halfway through season six, yeah, Sam comes on and then he's a regular in season seven and eight. So Danny Cooksey, who played Sam McKinney, who was the son of Maggie, who come on in the last two seasons of Different Strokes, he is considered a stepson to Philip Drummond. Now I'll let you guys know... Um, when I was watching the show, and I'd always talk about, I'd always refer to Philip as Drummond. I always say Drummond this, Drummond that. So I think I might just stick with that. Um, also, to let you guys know where you can find the podcast on social media, go. It does have its own Facebook page. You can go to Different Strokes to Move the World, a Different Strokes podcast. You can go to Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. I will be putting this podcast on that SoundCloud feed, along with which you can also find Full House and Silver Spoons on there as well. Silver Spoons does, I do plan to wrap that up this year. And then Different Strokes is probably going to be about maybe a couple times a month at most, just to start out. And we'll see how things go as um, next year carries on. So as far as this year, the pilot episode will be put out in April. And then, like I said, we just kind of take it one month at a time and just go from there. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right off, I am not doing every single episode of the show. Um, there were a few duds, and I just kind of wanted to pick certain episodes. If you guys have an episode you'd like me to do, like um, I can call it a listener request. You can message the podcast on Facebook. Also, on Instagram, you'll find the Different Strokes podcast on the Punky Power podcast Instagram page as well. So, All right, without further ado, let's jump into the pilot episode. So, the theme song pretty much has the late Alan Thicke doing uh, Different Strokes to Move the World. We do see... Conrad Bain as Philip Drummond in his limo going to pick up the kids who currently reside in Harlem. Now, my thing is, I'm wondering, so when their mother passed, their father actually passed. When Arnold was very young, he doesn't really remember his dad. And then their mother had passed. I believe it might have been from cancer, possibly, or she was very sick for a while. So I don't know whether they had just been hanging out, Willis and Arnold had been hanging out in Harlem in that old apartment for a bit before, you know, Drummond gets there to take them to his house, his, what is it, is like a penthouse basically, right? Because basically living on like Fifth Avenue. I can definitely say that this is going to be... Uh, I guess if you want to even refer to it as a fish out of water situation, or I know there's another term. Would you even call it, maybe not a, I don't know if you'd refer to this as like a culture shock in a way, because they're not leaving the U.S. and going outside of the country where things are different. I know, I'm just going to shoot for a fish out of water situation at the moment. I know there are other terms that probably would fit what they're going through. 
going from the poor part of Harlem to the Upper East Side of New York. See a basketball court, we got Willis and Arnold who are shooting hoops. And Drummond pulls up with his limo. He holds the door open, puts his arms out. The kids jump in, and they are all ready to go. All right, we come out of the intro. We are inside Drummond's home. We see the staircase leading upstairs. And I'm noticing, like, the carpet has kind of like a seafoam green color. And it seems like Mrs. Garrett, who's coming down with a feather duster, just kind of touching up the wall. And there's, like, these... Little built-in cubbyhole things that have these, like, little... I don't know whether they're cherub angels or they're Buddha. I think they are cherub statues, like little angel babies. They're not... I don't know why I thought they could be Buddha statues, but... But uh, Mrs. Garrett comes down. She's wearing a mint green housekeeper dress. Or not a housekeeper dress, not uh, just a dress dress. Work dress, I guess. So we didn't get an applause for Mrs. Garrett, but we did get one for Drummond when he came out of his office. So Mrs. Garrett is just kind of humming to herself like the music in her own head. She's not wearing headphones or anything. This is 1978. So when I, I, I know there's like um, an intro to Different Strokes, one of the seasons where Arnold is wearing one of those big like 1970s big boxy type headphones that I think have a radio already attached to it. So, of course, Drummond goes over there. I'm just going to start calling him Philip. Uh, we'll see how that transitions. <laughs> he taps her on the arm, of course, startles her, and she turns around on, and she does like the hiya karate move, like, I'm going to take you out. So Mrs. Garrett informs Philip that, uh, you know, I just... I've been to karate class, and it's really not good to sneak up on me because I just got an A in kicking where it hurts. Well, Philip is definitely known for his jokes that just don't land with people, and it's really no different with the expression that Mrs. Garrett is giving him. He's like, oh, it's these thick carpets. I once lost a lawyer in here, and he just busts a gut laughing. And Mrs. Garrett just looks at him like, uh, huh. And Philip is known for wearing, like, the ascots with his, his suits and stuff. And the only other I know that wears an ascot is going to be Mr. Furley from uh, Three's Company. And the only other cartoon character I can think of that wears an ascot is going to be Fred from Scooby-Doo. Mrs. Garrett's got to be kind of new because they're kind of... I'm just going to go back and hold on them drumming, guys. Um, drumming and... Mrs. Garrett are kind of still feeling each other out, like, oh, is it okay to make jokes? Is she going to get my jokes? So she's relatively new. Um, Arnold and Willis's mom must have just recently passed away. And he's like, the boys are going to be here any minute. Have you got their room set up? And she's like, yes, but there's one thing. He's like, what's that? She says, I quit. And I'm like, what, what, why? I mean, you're already, I mean, Kimberly is, you know, doing the uh, boarding school thing, so it's not like she's there all the time. He hired her yesterday. Why didn't you let her know about Willis and Arnold? So was this a spur of the moment? Because she's like, when you hired me yesterday, you said you had a 13-year-old daughter. So she's adamant. She does not want to take care of two boys. Like, you haven't even met them, Mrs. Garrett. Just wait till you meet them. They're adorable. 
That's me talking, not Drummond. So Drummond's like, well, what do you have against boys? And Mrs. Drummond, or Mrs. Drummond, oh, God. No, guys, we didn't get to meet Philip's wife. No, she passed away. Um, he's like, Mrs. Garrett, what do you have against boys? And she says, they bite. So, yeah, he pulls out the orphan card. And she's like, please, Mrs. Garrett, they're orphans. Please help me make them feel at home here. Like, this is going to be a big adjustment. They just lost their mom. I know she's nervous. Like, boy, she probably thinks, you know, boys are rowdy. They're just get, they'll just they get into trouble. I'll have to you know, constantly be babysitting them and this and that. She's, she's like, I'm not cut out for that. I, I, The 13-year-old girl who's, like, mostly at boarding school, fine. But he got her, he had her at the word orphans. And it's like, don't make snap judgments before you've met them. You might fall in love with them. And she does. We do get a little bit of a backstory here. Um, he tells her that they are orphans from Harlem. Their mother passed away recently. And she had been Philip's housekeeper for a very long period of time. So on her deathbed, Willis and Arnold's mom had Trump had sworn, like, please, Mr. Drummond, watch over my babies, please. They don't have anyone else. And they don't. That I can think of. Their dad's gone. Their mom just passed. They have no other relatives nearby that could take them in. Goodness, I just said that. Because Philip just said, I have, they have no relatives that can take them in. I'm like, I just said that. Those words just came out of my mouth. So she looks at him and asks, are you trying to make me feel rotten? And he's like, yes, yes, I am. He's like, there are two sweet, innocent, adorable, sweetheart of boys. I'm telling you, I, I don't know much about them, but from what I saw, they're adorable. They're just sweethearts. So she's like, all right, all right. Yeah, I, I'll give it a try. All right, here I'm going to play their first interaction as the boys step into the Palace of Drummond. Rich white man before either. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Drummond. 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 Hello,
Yikes. So while uh, right out the gate, Arnold is just whipping those zingers out, uh, Philip opens the door and says, welcome, gentlemen. And both Willis and Arnold kind of look behind them like they're thinking like someone like, gentlemen. <laughs> and he's like, oh, <laughs> like you're talking to us. Okay. <laughs> and Arnold is just like, wow. Two minutes uptown and we're already being called gentlemen. <laughs> Arnold is taken into place just kind of looking around like, mm, mm, this is some place. Like, oh man, this is way better than where I'm from. <laughs> of course, Drummond wants to go and shake Willis's hand. Like, I've been practicing. Um, well, I think you need some more practice because it's like, put your hand out and Willis is like doing the handshake thing and... Drummond's just not getting it. Like, dude, you need you need more practice is what I'm saying. But Mrs. Garrett comes out and she is down with it. Like she knows the hand, yeah. She's got it. Of course we're introduced to uh Arnold's fish Abraham, this adorable little black goldfish. And obviously, oh, if it looks like he's dead, he's actually not. He's just uh sleeping. <laughs> So Arnold says something, and I don't have subtitles on. I don't think I got subtitles. Hold on a second. Do I have subtitles on this? I have no subtitles on this. Um, he says, Mrs. Garrett, are you passing? And I'm like, I, I don't get it. But she's like, oh, no, only my hair is, like, colored <laughs> or something. Oh, she says bleached. <laughs> I guess they didn't say, you know, color, you know, coloring your hair and stuff like that. They probably referred to it as another term, like bleached, I guess. Because when someone says, oh, I bleached my hair, I immediately think of Eminem, the rapper from, like, the late, in the late 90s when he was coming up with, you know, Slim Shady and all that. <laughs> uh, Drummond says, wow, I've never seen a black goldfish before. And Arnold's like, well, that's okay. He's never seen a rich white guy before either. <laughs> So apparently, <laughs> I didn't think about it at first, but uh, when Arnold says, oh, if it looks like he's dead, he's not. He's just sleeping, you know, Abraham. And Mrs. Gare's like, oh, yeah, my husband had the same problem. So her husband would drink until he basically passed out. And it looked like he's dead, but he's actually passed out sleeping. Okay. That's probably why he's her ex. All right. Now we're getting Kimberly's entrance so she can be introduced to the boys. Please don't pinch my cheeks. What's he smoking? <laughs> Did you say what's he smoking? Boys, this hurricane that just blew in is my daughter Kimberly. This is Arnold, and this is Willis. Kimberly? Hi there. Hi. No, she's Hi, wearing braces. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm so darn glad to have you fellas here, I can't tell you. Well, what do you think of your big new house? 
show you the view from up here. I've got a surprise for you. <coughs> Look, you can see the whole city from here. We're on the 30th floor. Eh, ain't there something? Imagine, level up so high you can't even smell the garbage. Who <laughs> never smells the garbage in Harlem? You better check your smell, though. So Kimberly is definitely down with having two brothers. One younger, one apparently older. I guess Willis is a little bit older than Kimberly. Maybe I thought they were both like 13. He goes right over to Arnold and just pinches his cheeks. That's going to be... That is a thing in this. People are all like, I want to pinch your cheeks. Like, Why? She kind of did like a little fist bump, or not a fist bump, excuse me. Kind of like, hey, how's it going, Willis? <laughs> Arnold calls her metal mouth. <laughs> but she's so excited to have brothers. Like, oh, I, I was, oh, when I first thought, I'm like, oh no, what is she probably not okay with this? Like, oh, you brought him here. Oh, I don't want any more. But no, she's really receptive to it. Granted, she just met them, though, so... <laughs> of course, as she's pinching Arnold's cheeks and then, like, kind of doing a, like, punching Willis in the shoulder there. Ow. <laughs> like, hi, little brother! Hi, big brother! I can... <laughs> it's 1978, of course, so you can get a line with... But it seems like this is something that someone would have said, like, 10, 15 years ago. <clears throat> it's like, what's she smoking? And oh, my God, they went there! <laughs> it seemed like in 78, there were things you could do on TV that you definitely no way in heck you would really be able to do now so much. So, this hurricane, as Drummond refers to his daughter, this hurricane that just rolled in is Kimberly. So, with a flourish, she just zips upstairs, of course, before not before adding, Oh, stay out of my room, or I'll punch you out. And, of course, Drum, uh, Drummond's like, if she's not kidding, when she was six days old, she gave the boy in the, uh, the next uh, crib right next to her a fat lip. Like, yeah, yeah. So he, it's like, hey, what do you think of this place? It's pretty big, huh? And of course, Willis is like, yeah, we have big places in Harlem. And I'm like, okay, that is, that is the start of Willis is going to have a bit of a, Chip, he's not really 100% ready for this big change, life change of leaving Harlem and moving in with, he, I think that he gets from Philip, like, oh, this guy's just tossing money around at us, and he wants to make us feel welcome and everything, but Willis kind of, he sees through that a little bit. Arnold, on the other hand, is pretty, he's, he's cool with it all. Because he takes them out onto the balcony to show them the view and say, we're on the 30th floor. Arnold's just happy they don't want to smell the garbage anymore like they did in Harlem. So Drummond's got Willis up there. Like, look at that view. On a clear day, you can see all the way to New Jersey. Yet who would want to? And of course, Willis just looks at him like, you know, it's another joke that doesn't land. Arnold is sitting in the chair as Drummond and Willis come back into the living room. And he's like, Arnold, you know what? That chair is over 200 years old. And Willis just looks at him like, what, you couldn't afford to buy a new one? No, well, he doesn't understand the whole idea of it being an antique. But he just sees Drummond as, oh, this rich guy who can just do whatever he wants with his money. And here he's buying like 200-year-old chairs. And Drummond tells him that the older... A 
the older something is, the more it goes up in value. So Arnold's all like, Willis, we've been sitting on a gold mine in Harlem and we didn't even know it. Like, uh, I don't know. It basically depends on the condition of what it is as well. So right away, Drummond is laying out his whole plan for the boys and what he wants for them. Like, I'm going to show you a whole new lifestyle. You guys are never going to have to want for anything. I'm going to open up a whole new world to you and see that you have the same advantages as I did growing up. You know, um, <laughs> definitely I see this show did get a lot of flack for the whole, I guess if you want to say, like, the blind side with Sandra Bullock, the whole quote-unquote white savior thing. I could see how a lot of people weren't happy with it. The fact that he's saying, I'm going to open up a whole new world to you, I'm going to make sure you have the same advantages I did when I was your age. And he's not really thinking about the wording that he's using with these kids. It's almost like a money solves all your problems type of attitude. And I get he he wants to do right by the boys because, you know, he promised, you know, their mother that he would take care of them, look out for them, you know, financially and everything. But it's more than just financially taking care of them. You know, it's all about them adjusting to this new environment and their well-being and everything. And they're going to struggle as to where do I fit into this new world that I'm being tossed into. He says, you're going to go to the finest schools and go to the finest colleges and be able to study whatever you want, you know, art and music and stuff like that. Listen out names like Rembrandt and Van Gogh. Chopin. It's and Arnold's like, oh, are those friends of yours? They don't know who they are. Heck, when I was Arnold age, I'm sure the only. Well, Willis is like, well, they're all dead, and he calls Arnold a dodo head. <laughs> it's like oh, Arnold or Willis knows. Like, yeah, they're all like dead. Arnold looks at uh, Philip and is like, who killed them? <laughs> oh, oh, Arnold is such a cutie. He says, what killed them? And, of course, Philip's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, they died a long time ago. And Arnold's like, so you don't know what killed them. Great. So Willis kind of jumps in here like, look, you did Mama a favor by taking us in. Thank you for that. But Arnold and me, we don't accept charity. Philip points at Willis is like, hey, look, I'm not about charity, okay? You're not getting a free lunch here. Basically, you're not getting a free ride. Like, Philip may have money, but he's not going to be tossing it at the kids. Like, oh, you can do whatever you want. And this isn't a Richie Rich situation. These, like, basically, I have money for your needs and what you need, you know, clothes and you know, put food in your bellies and stuff, but you're not going to live it and be living high off the hog here. So he just says, hey, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to study hard, go to school, study hard, so you can be solid citizens. That's not too much to ask of a kid. You know, you just, you do your thing, you go to school, you come home, you do your thing at home, you do your homework, and that's all he's asking of the kids. He's not asking, that's not really asking a whole lot of a kid. It just... Do what's expected of you. Go to school. Do your homework. Oh, as well has got a mouth on him. <laughs> but I'm just guessing how much time 
Philip has been with these boys. I mean, he must have met them prior to their mother passing away, right? He's like, hey, Willis is like, hey, do we get time off for good behavior? It's like, this isn't a jail sentence, buddy. Yeah, well, like I said, Willis is not jiving with this whole plan that Philip has laid out for him. I'm going to play this clip. That chair you're sitting in is 200 years old. Well, with all your money, can you afford to buy a new one? <laughs> no, it's an antique. See, the older it gets, the more it's worth. Well, it's, we were sitting on a fortune in Harlem and we never knew it. <laughs> Boys, listen. I am going to open up a whole new world for you. I'm going to see that you had the same advantages that I had growing up. You're going to go to the best schools, the finest colleges, where you can learn about things like art and music, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, Chopin. They're all friends of yours. <laughs> They're all dead, Dodo Head. What killed them? Well, they lived a very long time ago. In other words, you don't know what killed them. <laughs> Look, Mr. Drummond, you've done a nice thing promising Mama you take care of us, but Arnold and me ain't going to take no charity. Hey, I am not offering charity. You get no free lunch here. You mean we gotta pay for our eats? <laughs> no, I mean you're gonna have to work for it. You're gonna have to go to school, study hard, and become solid citizens. Do we get time off for good behavior? <laughs> no. Well, I want to show you your room and my hot tub. You stole a tub? <laughs> So Philip's like, hey boys, how about I show you your room and my hot tub? I guess in the 70s, the word hot also could pertain to something like stolen, right? Like, oh, those are hot goods. They're stolen. So, ah. Like I said, I was born in 82. I really, it was fun kind of see this different type of lingo from the 70s and stuff. Before we see the boys' bedroom, we get to see this hot tub. So, this has got to be separate from a regular bathroom. Because I know they do have a bathroom off their bedroom, which is also shared with Kimberly. Because you're not getting cleaned up in a hot tub. A hot tub is for relaxation, for chilling out, for just winding down. I don't have a hot tub, but I have used hot tubs in the past. And boy, oh boy, are they nice. Of course, Arnold just looks at this like, oh my gosh, I could totally drown in this poor tub. Because he's like, I'm not going into this ocean without a lifeguard present. <laughs> so Philip kind of tells him, like, you guys are going to love this hot tub. It's so good. When I'm like, when I need to decompress, whenever I'm like stressed out and I need to just, you know, decompress, the hot tub is the perfect medicine for that. So Arnold asks Philip how much money he laid out for this hot tub. $4,000, guys, in 1978. Holy gagoli, that is a lot of moolah. And honestly, the tub is not that impressive. I mean, granted, it's 1978. You're not going to get, like, a four-seater. 
Um, I'm looking at some of these right now, and we got prices that range from three thousand to five thousand to two thousand. All, all, all different. Ooh, that one's pretty. Eleven thousand. Holy goo! That is cray. And a cover, a spot cover costs two hundred eighty-nine dollars. I mean, these are all from different websites, mind you. Twenty thousand dollars Canadian spot. This is nuts. Twelve thousand. Oh my gosh, this is nuts. Oh, that one's pretty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just, and I can see from Willis's point of view, thinking, okay, this guy is just blowing money on a hot tub. That Willis would probably be be fine with a regular old bathtub. Like, wow, this guy's got money to burn. <laughs> and he's like, wow, no wonder you're stressed for four thousand dollars. On a hot tub. And he also tells them, you know, it's a place where you can think about life and reflect and soak away your troubles. Oh, Arnold's like, well, is you going in that thing? And of course, Drummond Phillips like, of course he is. And Willis is like, hey, nobody speaks for me except myself. This was cute. I love how uh, Phillips going to take the boys to see the room and Arnold just kind of like puts his fingers like in the hot tub. He's like, hey, Willis. And he like flicks the water off his fingers into Willis's face. <laughs> so Willis is like, he grabs Arnold, throws him over his shoulder, kind of smacks his behind. <laughs> I'm going to get you, you little goof. <laughs> I it's so cute the little brotherly bond they have and as the show goes on you do kind of see you know they fight just like any any siblings would I'm going to play this clip as they get to see their new room which they each get a set of shelves that later will have WJ on one for Willis and then AJ and J on the other for um, Arnold and it's interesting when the show go goes on and then um, Philip marries Maggie and um, she has Sam, Sam and Arnold share a room and eventually those letters get changed where Willis's name was and that's going to be where Sam's name is. S&M, Sam McKinney. <laughs> There we go. He got it. See? 
get your flag to plant up there. <laughs> Boy, you guys are a tough audience. But I sure am glad to have you both here. You know something? I always wanted a son. And now I got two of them. I'm a very lucky man. Okay, guys, I'm going to leave you alone to unpack. I love Arnold's reaction when Philip says, well, how do you like it? Arnold looks around. He's like, wow, this is better than anything I saw in the Brady Bunch. And I looked it up. So, so this episode aired in 78. The Brady Bunch would have been done. Its run would have ended in 74. So by then, maybe they were already in reruns. I don't know. So I guess originally Philip said, how about you in the top bunk, Willis, and you in the bottom bunk, Arnold? Willis is just, this chip on his shoulder just keeps getting bigger and bigger as he turns to Philip and says, hey, why don't you stop telling us what to do? Like, whoa. I get that he's used to ruling the roost now that his parents are gone and, you know, he's looking out for Arnold and stuff. Like, like, dude, seriously. That is going to be a running theme throughout the majority of different strokes' run. Philip and Willis are always going to butt heads, whether it's regards to Willis performing in school, you know, his, his athletic, you know, his sports, baseball, basketball, all that stuff. And also, when it comes to Arnold, is a big thing because now that Willis and Arnold's parents are gone, Willis is taking the role of I'm my brother's keeper very seriously. And Willis is like, don't you think we have any brains? And of course, Philip's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I guess I pulled a faux pas. And Arnold is like, like you did what for your pas? I want to look up the definition for faux pas, which is French. The faux pas is spelled F-A-U-X and then P-A-S. Definition, a slip or blunder in etiquette, manners, or conduct. An embarrassing social blunder or indiscretion. Oh my goodness, they give this boy the best lines. Especially, I mean, those zingers just keep coming in this pilot episode. It's like, yes. <laughs> so Willis dictates how things are going to go in the bedroom. Arnold, you're up top. I sleep in the bottom. And make sure you don't drink a bunch of liquids before you go to bed because I don't want you, like, peeing all over me. And Arnold's like, all right, well, if you're eating onions, don't go breathing up. So it's funny because he mentions about what in the bed. There is an episode in season one about Arnold having issues wetting the bed. So Philip points out that there's a ladder on the side of the bunk bed so that way Arnold can get up and down as he pleases. Arnold's like, yeah, I don't need that ladder. So he's like, he's got it. He's like going up the little steps there. Like, all right, I got to get a running start here. And he jumps onto Willis's bed and then tries to get himself a little advantage to jump up onto the upper bunk. Ah, Arnold swears he is like a he's like a jet just zooming around that room. So of course he has his own fall paw trying to get up there. He fails. So he runs like, okay, I need a, a second go at this. And Philip's all like, well, Arnold, what's wrong with using the stairs? That's what they're there for. Ellis, of course, butts in again and says he's got to learn to do things for himself. So Arnold gets another running start, jumps onto Willis's bed on the bottom, and takes a giant leap 
grabbing the sideboard of the upper bunk and pull, pulling himself up. Like, all right, he did it. Good for him. Notice under the bunk bed, there is a desk, um, which luckily Willis hasn't hit a growth spurt just yet because he'd be banging his head. <laughs> I mean, there's a good enough distance there for that. De that is kind of creative. I kind of do like that. I think, aren't there some dorms that have like bunk beds sometimes that have a little um, desk underneath it or something? I think that's kind of cool. Of course, on the top bunk, there's a pennant there from Harvard, so that's clearly where Philip went to college. So Philip's like, nice uh, climbing there, Arnold. I'll get you a flag to plant up. See, it took me a couple times to rewind. Like, what did he say? I'll give you a what? A flag to plant up there? So it's just kind of like the first man that walked out of the moon that stuck a flag in it or something. Because both Arnold and Willis look at him like, okay, these jokes just, again, they're not landing. I don't even know if you could call them dad jokes because I think they, they're not even good enough to be considered bad dad jokes. <laughs> just like looks at like, are you serious? Are you serious, Mr. Drummond? I like this how he puts an arm around Willis who's right next to him and then extends an arm out to Arnold who's on the top bunk and says, you know, I'm really glad to have you here. You know, I've always wanted a son and now I have two. So he does leave to let the boys unpack their stuff. So Arnold is just kind of soaking it in. He's just reclining on the top bunk and just going, Geez, Willis, color TV, a stereo, our own cook. I swear we like died and gone to heaven. Of course, Willis is not impressed by these, these little frills. So Willis kind of makes Arnold feel a little bad, telling him to come off those clouds. And don't get used to this place. And then I think we get that, what you talking about, Willis? And Willis reminds Arnold, it's like, not, it's not us that died and gone to heaven, it's Mama and Papa. And Arnold immediately feels bad and guilty. Willis tells Arnold, look, we don't belong in this place. Drummond ain't our people. And we're not staying here. Of course, Arnold's like, Willis, look. How many kids get a chance like this? Why can't you see how good we have it? Willis, Arnold does not want to go back to Harlem. He is ready to embrace this new life. But Willis's feet are back in Harlem. And granted, I get it. It did seem maybe a little bit like Drummond may have been showing off the wealth a little bit. I mean... You know, with the hot tub and, and the view out on the balcony and how I'm going to give you boys everything when it comes to a good education and learning about music and poets and, you know, artists and stuff like that. I mean, I know deep down in his heart, Philip means well for the boys. He wants to give them what, you know, his parents, unfortunately, may, may be. But then again... He just wants to give them opportunities. Willis tells him, forget it. Come 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, you and I are going back to Harlem. So I'm going to play this clip. Willis is determined. He's like, I'm not going to stay here and neither are you. I'm your brother. I'm your keeper now. I'm going to take care of you. Mama and Papa are gone, so that makes me the parent. Ah! Come and 
TV stereo, our own cook. Man, well, it's, I think we died and went to heaven. Come off those clouds, little brother. Huh? Don't get too used to this place. What you talking about, Willis? So from there goes the commercial. It comes back, and Arnold, of course, is asking Willis, why do we want to go back to Harlem? And Willis is like, well, we miss Harlem, right? And Arnold's like, yeah, I can miss it for the rest of my life. Like, for Arnold, like, he doesn't want to go back. There's nothing left there, probably but sad memories. But Willis is all like, look, Drummond isn't our people, okay? We're used to, you know, being in Harlem and not, you know... Willis is like, hey, we're not the right color. And Arnold's like, well, I'll get me a skin transplant. Yes, at the end of the day, it just boils down to race. I don't get the feeling that deep inside that Willis feels like maybe he's betraying his parents by not staying in Harlem. Like giving up his roots to take on this flashy new way of living with, with money and opportunities and everything. Whenever Willis once gets angry at uh, Arnold, he always puts a fist up like he's going to give him a knuckle sandwich. It's like, you need a head transplant. And I love Arnold's response. Well, like, if I lose my head, then that goes pretty much all the brain cells between the both of us. <coughs> Willis says how he does not feel comfortable there with 200-year-old uh, chairs. I'm surprised he didn't throw in, like, the hot tub as well. So Willis is like, look, we're going back to Harlem and that's that. And Willis brings up a great question. Um, Willis, where are we going to live? And Willis is like, well, we'll live with the Thomases. And Arnold's like, great. Eight people in one home and one bathroom. I get, you know, the Bra- I'm surprised we don't get another reference to the Bradys here. So that's Willis's plan. Go back to Harlem and basically throw yourself into a family that's already got eight people in it that are probably struggling themselves. You know, Willis just wants to go back to where he's comfortable. Harlem is home. Not living in a penthouse. And Willis is just so set against staying there, he doesn't even want to give it barely a night or 24 hours. Now it seems like he's trying to play the guilt card with Arnold as he puts a hand on, uh, his hands on Arnold's shoulders and says, After Papa died, who looked after you? Well... Mama worked. And Arnold's like, well, you did, Willis. And Willis is like, well, now I'm your mama and your papa. And he says, all right, 7 a.m. tomorrow, we split. So Arnold's like, what? Can't we just wait and leave after breakfast? <laughs> and Willis is like, no, we can't do that. I like what Arnold says here. He says, look, you're my brother, but I think you're wrong. So Willis grabs Arnold by the shirt collar and says, Look, not a word about us leaving tomorrow or you're not going to get dinner tonight, is he? He's always holding up his fist like, I'm going to pop you one. 
Sedlo comes in all excited because he managed to get circuit, circus tickets for tomorrow at 8 a.m. And Arnold's like, oh, that's great, as Willis like pulls on the back of uh, Arnold's olive green jacket, reminding him, like, we're not going to be here tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Willis is like, we can't go. And Drummond says, why not? Well, Arnold's got to rest. And Arnold just turns and looks at Willis like, I do? And he's like, yes, you do. Link, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Tired blood, Willis said. You got tired blood. So Arnold's like, is there any chance I could do it like earlier? Like maybe 6 a.m.? And Philip's like, well, no. You know, we'll just have to do that another time. But Saturday night, because he's got this whole weekend planned out for the kids. Saturday night, we're going to go watch, what does he say, the Lakers and the Lakers basketball game. And Arnold's like, wow, that sounds great. As Willis pulls him back by the hood of his jacket, we can't go to that either. This would be a red flag. Like, okay, Willis, uh, while you go outside, while I talk to Willis here, because something clearly, Willis is a red flag right there. Like, something's up. You got one kid who's excited, the other one is just saying, nope, nope, can't do that either. Sorry, nope, bye. Nope, nope. Willis says something about they have a friend who's got a birthday on Saturday. Philip sees where this is going. Pretty much, you're going to turn down every suggestion I offer before I even offer it. But I do have another suggestion. Please think about the other two things I just suggested. And if I were Philip, I would have been like, okay, Arnold, I need to talk to Willis for a minute, because clearly this is all on Willis's end. But I'm going to play this clip. Willis, why do we have to go back to Harlem? Why can't we stay here? Because we miss Harlem. Yeah, and I want to miss Harlem the rest of my natural life. <laughs> Arnold, we don't belong in no penthouse. We ain't the right color. I'll get me a skin transplant. That's what you need. Willis, if I lose my head, there goes all the brands we got between us. I'm not comfortable here. Living in a place with 200-year-old chairs. Suppose I sit in one and it breaks. Willis, you heard the man. The older it gets, the more it's worth. He probably breaks them and takes them right to the bank. <laughs> Arnold, when they was passing the brains out, you forgot to take a number. <laughs> going back to Harlem and that's that. Where are we going to live in Harlem? With the Thomases. Yeah, eight people, one room, one bathroom. We could get killed in the stampede. <laughs> Arnold, after Papa died, who was it that looked after you while Mama worked? You did, Willis. Well, now I'm your Mama and your Papa. <laughs> and I say 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, we split. Can't we split after breakfast? No. <laughs> Willis, I know you're my brother and I do what you say, but I got feelings about things too. I think you're wrong. Well, just don't go spilling to anybody that we're leaving tomorrow. Well, you won't even get dinner tonight. Fellas, I got some great news. I just managed to get tickets for the circus, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Hey, that's real! Can't go. <laughs> Why not? Arnold's got a rest. I do. Yeah. You got tired blood. Now, that's no excuse. I've got tired blood, too. Yeah, he goes to sleep an hour before I do. 
frosting to go on a cake when Philip comes downstairs and says what if I told you that the boys turned down a trip to the circus and a Knicks Mets game and of course Mrs. Garrett is like well I tell you that I'm available for both events <laughs> so Philip's got an idea of I mean just based on the boys actions mainly Willis's he feels like the boys are gonna gonna make a break for it they're gonna leave it's like i know that he really you know he wanted them to make them feel like they're at home they're not gonna get that way they're not gonna feel that way it's the first day it's been less than 24 hours for these kids you have to allow for a period of adjustment adjustment so mrs garrett suggests to philip just have fun with the boys. And Philip says, well, in my family, the idea of fun was sitting around counting money. Okay. So Mrs. Garrett kind of gives us a peek into her childhood, how her family would entertain each other. They'd sing. She'd do a little ballet and her little tutu. It was great. Everyone would have a great fun time. Why, well, honestly... Arnold isn't the one who's having to have a period of adjustment. It's Willis who is so dead set against this way of life or even trying to make a temporary go of it that he's just like, no, we're going back to Harlem. I don't care what you want, Arnold. I'm your big brother. I'm basically your mama and your papa. I'm going to tell you what we're going to be doing. And we're not staying here. So, Philip's got an idea. We don't know what it is yet. He just tells Mrs. Garrett to go get Kimberly, and then he hops on the phone to call somebody. So, the kids are all sitting down to dinner. It's very elaborate. They got candles and all that. The one thing about Arnold that we learn, not just, I think, in this episode, but throughout the course of the show, this boy likes to eat. He is a big fan of food. Kimberly, of course, makes a joke about hoping to get get rid of her braces because she's she's tired of having sparks flying when she's, you know, eating from her fork and everything like that. So Willis gets up and starts heading towards the stairs and Philip's like, Well Willis, where are you going? And Willis is like, Well to our room. Come on, Arnold And it's like, No, wait, we're gonna have family fun time and Arnold's like, Family fun time? What is that? Oh he says, What channel is that on? <laughs> oh, Arnold so, Philip is putting on, like, hey, if you even want to call it a circus act or a magician act or something, 
And he pulls out a $10 bill, and he says, in some countries, this is only worth 65 cents. Mrs. Garrett, of course, is laughing because that's funny, and Willis is just being a bump on a log. He is just determined, like, not to crack a smile. And Philip has Arnold, as his assistant, has him stand behind him. Like, see, the $10 bill is gone, as he, like, hands it behind his back to Arnold. And it's like, this sucks. I don't like it. I would not be amused. Who was he making the phone call to? Was he making the phone call to, like, a real magician or a clown or something like that? Bring the circus to the kids if the kids don't want to go to the circus. Bring the the Knicks or the Mets or whoever to the home. So Willis calls BS on Philip's trick. Like, oh, that ain't no trick. Arnold took it. And Philip's like, oh, no, the trick is going to be to get the $10 back from Arnold. (laughs) It's cute. I mean, he's trying. Willis just needs to stop being a stick in the mud. This boy can run. He can run. Oh, my goodness. He's like a little puppy. Just zoom, zoom, zoom. Of course, Drummond is going to get Arnold on the couch and start tickling him. It's so cute. Yo, when I first started watching season one, I didn't know that Arnold was, what, like eight, nine years old? I kind of, I think just based on his size, I probably put him closer to six. Not just his size, but his mannerisms in a way. But, um, and then, because by the end of the show's run, he is like 15 to 17 years old. I mean, in the course of the show's run, Willis and Kimberly both graduate from high school and go to college. Oh, he called, Philip calls himself the Great Drummondo. Everyone's clapping, but Willis is given a slow clap, like, this is like a pity clap. So, Mrs. Garrett is next. I wonder what she's gonna do. Okay, Mrs. Garrett, she turns on the radio, is gonna do a little dance. Oh, that's cute. So we gotta see, Arnold's gonna teach Mrs. Garrett a thing or two about dancing. He's like, he goes up to her, he's like, you call that dancing? Oh, no, 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 no. So he changes the channel to some, like, Bee Gees or some type, you know, because it is 1970, so he turns it to, like, some type of disco music. Disco Inferno, I think it's called. I'm gonna play this clip. Willis is being such a stick in the mud. The fact that everyone's having a good time but Willis, and then he goes and turns the music off. It's like, what is your problem, kid? Like, no, it's time for Willis to do the disappearing act. Like, then go upstairs, because you're being a stick in the mud. Everyone else is having a good time. Oh, <laughs> 
forgot about this the whole doorway filled with toys you know stuffed animals footballs basketballs a, a dart set or and I forgot about the horse and of course Willis just yanks Arnold right off that horse and it's like seriously what is your deal man I get you don't want to be there, but Arnold clearly does. And he looks at Philip and says, you may buy, you can buy a lot of things, but you can't buy us. And Philip says, I'm not trying to buy you. I'm trying to make you feel at home. And then he says, well, we're leaving in the morning. And he just grabs Arnold and yanks him up the stairs. And Philip says, asks Arnold, like, Arnold, you don't want to leave, do you? And Arnold's like, well, no, but, you know, Willis by himself, I mean, he's not any good to himself. So it's like, you know, he's got to go by what his brother says. And Kimberly's like, Daddy, please don't make them leave. Or, don't no, make them leave. Please don't let them leave. Oh, we get up to the boys' room, and Arnold, like, just jumps right into Willis. Like, was Papa as stubborn as you, or are you the only one in this family that has a disease? I like how when we get into this scene, we get a close-up of Abraham the goldfish. So Willis sits down at his desk and says, well, I'm not stubborn, I'm proud. And Arnold's like, well, can't a man be proud and own a pony at the same time? Or a horse? I'm going to play this clip as Philip comes up there to kind of see what is going on with Willis. Like, son, you need to talk and let him know what you're feeling and thinking inside because Philip is not a mind reader. He gets that you don't want to be there, but he doesn't understand why. Enlighten him. Open up. He's there to listen to you. Can't man be proud and own a pony at the same time? Willis? There's something I want to say to you. You didn't even give yourself a chance to get to know us. 
The only thing I'm guilty of is trying to make you and your brother feel at home. Yeah. Mr. Drummond, Santa Claus. And you're treating him like our old landlord. <laughs> Toys and money ain't family. That's right, Willis. Toys and money ain't family. Family is love and caring. <coughs> Maybe I overdid it. But I did it because I cared about your mother. And now I care about you. But caring has to be a two-way proposition. And you're not even willing to meet us halfway. The worst part of it is, you're only thinking about yourself. You're not even considering your brother. You're just being selfish, Willis. sits down next to Willis and says, you know what, you didn't even give us a chance. And he didn't even take the time to even get to know Philip and Kimberly and Mrs. Garrett. I mean, yes, it's the first day. And the only thing Philip says that he's guilty of is trying to make those boys feel at home. So Willis just shouts at Philip and says, toys and money ain't family. And he jumps up on Will uh, Arnold's bunk. And Philip goes over there and says, you know, you're right. Toys and, and money aren't family. You know, Philip says that family uh, family is, you know, loving and, and, and caring and everything. And he feels like, yes, maybe he did. He maybe even came on a little too strong, you know, with all the toys and, and everything. And just, I want to take you to the circus. And I want to take you to a basketball game. And maybe, yeah, he did come on maybe a little too strong. But that's just... Maybe that's how Philip grew up. He said he came for money and everything, so maybe, you know, his family showed, you know, affection in, in that way sometimes. I, I don't know. And Philip says he did this because he cared about the boys' mother, and now he cares about the boys and everything. And Philip brings up a good point. He said caring has to be a two-way street, and you're not even willing to meet us halfway. And Philip brings up a good point. Willis is only thinking of himself. He's not even considering what Arnold wants or needs. So Philip closes the conversation by telling Willis he's being selfish, and then he leaves. So now it's time, of course, for Arnold to get in there and tell Willis how it's going to be. Like, your actions, this that's not, what you're doing is not fair to me at all. And he even tells him, you know, if Mama were here, because Hurley goes like, like blows a raspberry. I hate that term. I really don't like it. I just, mm. anyway, he says, if Mama were here, you would be getting worse than a raspberry. Like, your attitude. And Arnold tells him, like, 
before she died, Mama wanted to make sure that we were taken care of, and that's why she reached out to Mr. Drummond. Do you really think that she would leave us with somebody who didn't want us? Yeah, Arnold says, you know, well, she's been a sourpuss since we got here. And Mr. Drummond is right. You are not being fair to me or him or even yourself. And even to, you know, in a way, he's kind of semi-dishonoring his mom and her wishes. Her, their mother was just looking out for the boy's best interest. She knew she probably didn't have a lot of time left, and she wanted to make sure that the boys were not only going to be financially stable, but also with a man, a loving man who has a daughter of his own. You know, he's been a parent, and now we have Mrs. Garrett and everything. She's just the sweetest lady. I know she's not going to be around for long. We get what? How many? We get Mrs. Garrett, then we get Adelaide, then we get Pearl. And it's so funny, it's like, as soon as you get used to, you know, Mrs. Gary, oh, I like her. And then all of a sudden it's like, who is this lady who's quite a bit older than Mrs. Garrett? No, no offense to that. But I'm just like, who is this lady? I don't know if I like her. And it took me a while, but then I'm like, oh, I like Adelaide. Boom, in comes Pearl. And it's like, okay, <laughs> another housekeeper to get used to, Okay. <laughs> So, Willis definitely has some stuff that he needs to be thinking about, his actions, his words, and everything, and really think on what his mother would want, and what she, if she were still there, how she would be viewing Willis's attitude and his actions. So, Philip's up, it's nighttime, of course we hear the rumbling of the hot tub going on, and he's surprised to find Willis in the hot tub. But then, remember, Philip did say it's a best, if you want a place to do your thinking and have time with your thoughts and just figure things out, reflect on things, then the hot tub is going to be the place to be. you, boy. Good on you. I got it right this time. <laughs> this tub works pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> See, we can all learn something from each other. Uh, I wasn't trying or thinking of Arnold. Hey, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. And how glad I am that you're staying with us. Yeah, but just remember, Strong, that front door is all over. Right away. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so Philip comes in and Willis talks about how he's been soaking in the tub and thinking and everything. And Philip says, so does that mean that I can say welcome aboard, son? And Willis puts out his hand and Philip got the handshake right. And it's like, all right, that's so good. Philip says, you know, I was right about this tub, huh? And Willis is like, yeah. And Philip says, you know, we can learn a lot from each other. And Willis says, you know, I mean, I wasn't thinking of Arnold. I was just thinking of myself. And, of course, he does mention about how, you know, that door is always open if I want to leave. 
And Philip says, oh, yeah, that's right. And you know Harlem is just a limousine right away. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like the boys can't ever go back and visit Harlem. Of course they can. You know, see their friends and everything like that. And I love how <laughs> Arnold just runs in and Bradley does a cannonball into the hot tub. And it's just like, aw. And that's how the episode ends. You know, the boys finally, they're they're finding a little bit of, of a semi-niche, I guess, if you want to call it. It's like, but I like that Willis finally feels comfortable a little bit to, like, let Philip in just a little bit. I know he's probably, he's going to have a little bit of trust issues they're going to have to iron out, of course. Um, but I thought this was a great pilot episode. You know, we got introduced to the boys. We got a little backstory on them. It's We're going to get more of a backstory on them as the series just go along. As I said, Philip and Willis are always going to be, you know, like a couple rams just constantly boom batting button heads over the over the issues of, you know when it comes to Arnold and his care you know Willis has been watching Arnold you know why his mother worked and everything like that so he feels kind of like a a parent in a way and wants to be included on decisions when it comes to, to and also a lot of the, oh, that's not how we do it in Harlem. In Harlem, we do this. So the boys are also trying to adapt to a new way of life. Right, Quinn? That's right. Silly cat. Yeah. What do you think of Arnold and Willis? They're pretty cool, huh? <laughs> you silly cat. I love that Kimberly was very accepting of her new brothers. And how she's not like, oh my god, these two brothers are going to cramp my style and nothing like that. And Mrs. Garrett, even though she really was told differently, she was very accepting of Willis and Arnold. Like, I know you only said you have one daughter who's away at, you know, um, boarding school and stuff like that. But then Philip's like, well, just meet the boys. You haven't even met them yet. You're going to love them. They're great. And, and she just warms right up to them. And it's just, I love the relationship that the kids have. And eventually, they're going to go from calling him Mr. Drummond to eventually Philip will adopt the boys, but the boys are going to keep the last name Jackson. There is an episode much later on in the show where Philip wants to adopt the boys. And Willis is very, like, I don't know, you know, Jackson is our family name if we're and we're the last of our family that's a big thing both their parents are gone so they are like the last of their family it's like if they let go of that name that that means that family line that tree just ends just cuts right off i'm honestly guys i spent all of 2019 watching this show and i'm just i like the idea that i can look at it from a finer point and I really like how Philip says you know about family is you know about loving and caring and it's also about it doesn't matter you know family can be you don't have to be blood to be family you don't even have to be the same race to be family or any of that it just matters that you love each other that you're there for each other and you and everything like that 
Now, I did say I was not going to go through every single episode of the show. There are some that I plan to skip over, but definitely there are quite a few in season one, of course, that I want to do. Um, At the time being, for right now, this is just going to be a monthly podcast, and then when I get done with Silver Spoons, which I should be done with the show at the end of 2020, then... Difference, the Different Strokes podcast will take over in 2021, and more than likely that's just going to be a twice-a-month podcast episode. So, the next episode, of course, because I want to do the earlier, you know, episodes and as they are, because it really sets up the family dynamic. I mean, that did get established in the first episode, but now we're going to see the boys slowly begin to acclimate to a new lifestyle over a period of time. We do have to, of course, get through the second episode, The Social Worker. A social worker investigates the boy's home life and tells Mr. Drummond that she believes black children belong in black households. When Drummond tells this to Mrs. Garrett, while she is vacuuming the living room, Arnold overhears this and comes to the conclusion that he doesn't want them anymore. So I don't know how much time has actually passed between the first episode and the second episode. And I'm not talking about the episode air dates. They're roughly a week apart. However, I'm talking about the span of time in the show's timeline. Whether they've been there a week, whether they've been there a month, I don't know. So, of course, we have that one. We have, of course, Drummond's mother who comes to visit that doesn't know of the boys yet. And, of course, like I said, a lot of the episodes are really going to hit home with the race. The boys are going to see a lot of racism when it comes to how people react to finding out that Philip has two black sons. Also, another thing, when the boys are going to be enrolled in Philip's prep school, that's another, another, I mean, it's 1978, and one thing I do want to be honest about, guys, is, I mean, yes, I was born in 1982, so I'm not well-versed in the 70s and stuff, but And part of me feels like maybe, I mean, I love this show. It really helped me through a very difficult time last year. You know, almost a, a comfort in just watching these characters evolve and grow up over the course of eight seasons. Part of me kind of feels like, am I the right person to handle this podcast? I think I am because I'm coming at it from a point of, of love and respect for the show. The other thing is you know, me being a white person and everything like that. I just, I just wish that I could get some other's perspective on, on the show coming at it from a different angle. Um, so I will be posing questions as far as what people feel about the episodes, what they think worked, what they think didn't work, especially for the the time period and, and the show itself and everything like that. So... I haven't come up with any titles yet for any type of segments like I do with my other podcasts, like Punky Power had Punky's Principles, uh, Silver Spoons has uh, Silver Spoonful, kind of like little like what I got from the episode and stuff like that. Now I haven't thought of a title yet, but 
basically what I got from the episode is change can be difficult, especially for kids, especially if you're moving and having to start over living with people you don't really know. This could even work for, you know, kids that are having to deal with, you know, being in foster care and moving around a lot. One thing I was thinking about today, actually kind of yesterday too, was the fact that this show was created by Howard Leeds, who also had a hand in Punky Brewster and Silver Spoons, which are two podcasts that I've I've completed Punky Brewster the four seasons. I'm currently in season four of Silver Spoons. But what I'm trying to say is the the aspect of different strokes has Philip, who is a man of means and comes from wealth. Silver Spoons, kind of similar like this in a way where Ricky Stratton meets his father who comes from money and he's having to live with his father who he just met and of course adapt to new different things a new lifestyle and stuff and realize that just because your father has money doesn't exactly make you entitled you have to work for what you want punky brewster another thing kind of like the orphan angle even though punky isn't technically an orphan but she's having to adapt to a new way of, of life she was kind of living for herself, kind of like the boys probably were doing in Harlem before Drummond had gotten them. Like, how much time between when their mother had passed and, and Philip had picked them up, how much time in between there were they kind of living on their own, probably even staying with the the Thomases that Willis said, well, we'll just stay with the Thomases. So I like that these two shows, Silver Spoons, started in 82. Punky Brewster would have debuted two years later. And I like to think that these two ideas came in a way, in a sense, from different aspects of the plot of different strokes. Because it's, you know, created by the same person, pretty much. But that's my own take on it, guys. But like I said, lesson learned for this episode is just going to be, you know, change is hard we need time to be able to adapt and assess the situation and kind of see how it works for you and, and all that good stuff. And just know that hopefully there are people out there that can help you adjust and everything like that. Cause you know, like, foster situations they do have a state official come in and just check kind of like the social worker is doing in the next episode um if you're familiar with the show this is us um i think it was in season two i can't remember where the pearsons had adopted randall who was the black baby that was left by it was a uh, baby was left at a fire station and they go to course they can't just take the baby home and not have to go through the proceedings to adopt the child but the judge there that was going to award them you know custody in the adoption of, of Randall said that he thought that the boy would do better in a home with African American parents because of course there is very different, you know, different ways of, of, of living and, and, and culture and stuff, and you want to instill that in, in, you know, they wanted to do that in their child, so they did have Randall, you know, meeting, you know, black friends and um, stuff like that to get 
informed of, of the culture and everything like that. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to honestly going through these episodes again. And I really hope that that you guys enjoy what what I'm covering. If there's, like I said, I, I want to post either questions or just like, what did you think of this episode? What are your thoughts and stuff like that? So... If you'd like to email the podcast, right now I'm just keeping the punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com as the email also for the Different Strokes podcast at the time. So, all right, everyone, have a, well, I'd like to say have a wonderful week, but with everything going on right now, I just, all I can say right now is just with the mandated stay home in effect, just, yes, stay home, stay healthy, and another thing is just stay positive. I know we get wrapped up in the news and what everything is out there, it's scaring us, but we just have hope. This will blow over, you know, maybe not right away, but eventually we're going to find our footing and we are going to continue on, you know, however this goes in the future we are all people we can adapt you know i feel we're gonna be okay it's gonna be rough but we're gonna be okay so i'll just leave you with stay home stay healthy stay positive bye bye